I love you too, but I'm going to miss you in the face. Welcome to Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantinema, a.k.a. Quarantine Enema, the only podcast where we don't know how to say the name of the show. My name is Connor Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, so, okay, so a uh, little different the way I recorded this one. So uh, I just got off the phone with uh, Casey Shu. Uh, he did our uh, Batman Begins review. He was on the Beer Fest draft, our uh, beer drinking team draft. Uh, I think he's done another movie in between, but uh, we just recorded uh, episodes for The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises back-to-back, so those are going to be coming out on Friday and Monday, Uh, so look forward to those. Those are really cool, very, very cool episodes. Our Dark Knight episode, uh, probably one of our more, like, in-depth things that we've done. Uh, It's going to be a little on the longer side, but uh, as far as us, like, actually breaking down a movie, I think it's... um, Uh, I'm really proud of what we did. I think it's one of the best episodes we've done yet. Uh, So I'm looking forward to dropping that one. But until we get to then, uh, we got one more movie to get to. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Darjeeling Limited, our our first Wes Anderson movie of uh, the show so far. And I think there's only going to be two. Uh, It's going to be this, and down the road we're going to talk about the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, But I love Wes Anderson. I think he's one of the most unique filmmakers around. Uh, I, I mean, he's got so many good movies. Uh, obviously, this, Royal Ten of Mobs, Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, uh, Rushmore. He, he's a phenomenal filmmaker. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's I, I like talking to him because often I've, uh, I've talked about uh, either writers or directors who, when you're watching one of their movies, it's very obvious that it's their movie. And Wes Anderson is like exclamation like when you're watching a Wes Anderson movie there's zero mistake that it's clearly his movie uh, he's one of the very few guys a uh, few writer director combos uh, in Hollywood that is capable of doing that uh, there's so many big directors and so many big writers and so many big writer directors but like the like couple of the uh, examples that I always use like it's Wes Anderson Quentin Tarantino Christopher Nolan uh, I, I know there's others. I'm drawing a blank on some other some combos right now, uh, but it's very obvious that these are like Wes Anderson's just one of the best guys at you know producing his vision and his voice and uh, all this stuff. And he's uh, he's very, he's very uh, articulate uh, filmmaker. Uh, all of his characters are very you know witty and smart. That's kind of part of his charm. Uh, he taking you know he takes serious situations and kind of puts like a fun silly like twist on him. Uh, not in a dark way, but just in a, like a it, it's lighthearted. He's a very lighthearted guy. Very it's almost like sensitive filmmaking, uh, and I love the way all of his movies look from the uh, you know the geometric shooting to uh, just the way he uh, builds sets and production design and all that stuff. He he's he's great. He's he's absolutely amazing. You know he's. Uh, you, when you say like a Wes Anderson movie, you know what a Wes Anderson movie looks like, and there's not many directors who have that ability to do that. Uh, so we're gonna talk a little bit about the Darjeeling Limited, my personal favorite from uh, Wes Anderson's filmography today. Um, where to begin? So why don't we start with a quick synopsis of uh, the movie? The movie uh, it is the story of three brothers uh, who uh, have been long estranged. They reunite in India uh, to go on a spiritual journey, uh, which later uh, they find out had ulterior motives uh, per one of the brothers. Uh, but it's three brothers who uh, were had been uh, you know, pulled apart. They hadn't seen each other in a year since their father's funeral. Uh, they reunite on this train. 
um, in India and they're able to kind of travel throughout the country and come back together and go on this, uh, you know, kind of like spiritual bond together. It's very, very cool. Uh, very cool movie. Beautifully shot. The colors, uh, the, uh, just the, the camera work, the production, uh, all the performances. It's absolutely amazing. The, just, uh, one of the things that I was reading about this movie is Wes Anderson just, uh, it, it, it was almost like the least amount of work he had to do as far as the production was concerned because he just kind of like let the beauty of India speak for itself. Uh, and that's not really something that uh, you see often in movies. Uh, obviously, you know, India, it's you know, one of the biggest countries in the world uh, and it's just a beautiful landscape. And this movie was kind of like, over the last like 10, 15 years, like we've started to see more and more filmmakers kind of dip into India. Uh, and just kind of explore that ran, uh, landscape, like uh, Danny Boyle did with Slumdog Millionaire. Um, you had uh, Life of Pi uh, with Ang Lee, and uh, just th there's been a, a much more like exposure in India over the last like few years. And this was kind of like a, one of the movies that was at the forefront of that push, uh, getting more movies in India. And it's just it, it's it, it's it's beautiful. This is one of the coolest looking movies I've ever seen. Uh, mix all that with Wes Anderson, like his like way of shooting his camera movements and uh, just how good he is at like you know quick cuts and you know subtle camera movements things like that uh, he's he's one of the best at it and you put him in a unique enough setting and uh, the colors really pop in this movie uh, the performances are all great uh, let's talk about the performances uh, so the three brothers I mentioned uh, it's Owen Wilson plays Francis he's the eldest uh, you have Adrian Brody who plays Peter uh, the middle one and the youngest is played by Jason Schwartzman, who plays Jack, who is also a co-writer on the movie. Uh, Jason Schwartzman and Wes Anderson, longtime collaborators. All three of those guys are now collaborators, Owen Wilson and Wes Anderson. I believe they were roommates together at the University of Texas. Uh, Adrian Brody, this was their first collaboration, but he's since gone on and done. Um, he's in Grand Budapest Hotel. I know he's going to be in uh, The French Dispatch, which is Wes Anderson's new movie. I don't know if it's been delayed or not. Uh, you know, due to COVID stuff, but uh, who knows? But Jason Schwartzman was in—he uh, was the star of Rushmore, which was one of Wes Anderson's like uh, you know first big movies. Uh, and he's often in—he's—he he, just comes along for the ride. Uh, but all three of them give great performances. Uh, I, I think my favorite is probably Jason Schwartzman's character, um, and but it, you know, not a slight against Birdie and Wilson. Uh, it's just he, he just does great. You know, yeah, Jason Schwartzman's a, a great actor, and uh, one of the cool things about this movie that I feel I, I would love it if more filmmakers did something like this. Uh, so there is a, I don't want to call it a prequel, but uh, there's a short film associated with this movie. It's called uh, Hotel Chevalier. Uh, it takes place in France. It's about this uh, couple. Uh, Jason Schwartzman plays the same character, Jack, in that movie. Uh, and him and his girlfriend, they reunite in Paris at this hotel. And it's just kind of a quick, like, 15-minute, like, short film about this uh, very, like, ambiguous relationship that they have. Like, we don't, we learn they were together, they've hurt each other at certain points, uh, but they still want to be together, but at the same time, they don't want to be with one another. It's very, it's very interesting. Uh, it's one of the best short films I've ever seen, but Wes Anderson wrote and directed it, and this was supposed to be a predecessor to Darjeeling Limited, and uh, I, if you haven't seen Hotel Chevalier, it makes 
uh, Jason Schwartzman's character in Darjeeling Limited that much more interesting just because you know a little bit more about him like he gets a lot more like individual screen time and throughout the movie like the three main brothers like they get they get you know individual time at certain points but Jason Schwartzman in Hotel Chevalier that's really the most like in-depth we kind of go on one person at some point but I wish I really wish more directors would do stuff like this uh, you know where they what like Wes Anderson made a short film that's really cool uh, it was supposed to be played for you know the theatrical production, I don't know if it was or not. I'm sure it was in some theaters. Uh, I, on the DVD it is. But I would just love it if, like... Like, imagine if, like, Quentin Tarantino had, like, a quick short. Like, a, a little, like, 10-15 minute thing that he did before his movies. Or, like, Martin Scorsese did more shorts. Like, I, and, like, not saying, like, bi- you know, big famous directors, you know, don't do short films. But it's certainly not as... You know, it's it's unpopular. I guess is a better way to say it. I wish like Netflix or Amazon or someone like they'd start putting more of a profile on short films. Uh, you know, particularly from bigger name. You know, get get bigger names attached to it. You know, maybe it's a way for you know actors that are looking to get into the directing and writing game to kind of propel their career forward. Like you know, show what they can do with a short. Uh, or highlight some, you know, talent, you know, some up and coming talent who they've never been able to get the financing done for, you know, the, just no one knows who they are, so they can't get their first feature off the ground. Uh, so, you know, give them a platform to show their short films. I would love to see something, you know, one of these major streaming networks, and maybe this exists. I think Quibi uh, is doing some, you know, something like this, um, but I admit I haven't watched it yet. Um, but who knows if it's more like anthology like oh so and the other thing is like now there's like anthology series so she shows like uh, Black Mirror that's more of like one episode of TV which is almost a full hour uh, no but I, I just want I, like, I'd love to see some bigger names do like some quick like 10-15 minute projects uh, I think that'd be really cool <sighs> okay so let's talk about the movie itself um, I like I said before it's beautifully shot uh, the landscape of this movie is just there's nothing quite like it, Wes Anderson, you know, in India. Uh, the the story is, the three brothers are obviously, you know, conflicted with one another. Uh, they hadn't seen each other in a while. They're estranged. And this, uh, this whole trip kind of brings them back together. Uh, and there's just so many, like, little, like, beautiful moments along the way. Uh, that, uh, particularly, uh, my favorite scene is uh, they... Uh, so basically, they uh, the Darjeeling Limited is the train that they're on, and um, while they were in like one of the cities that they stopped, and Adrian Brody's character Peter buys a snake, uh, brings it on the train. The conductor finds said snake and kicks them off the train at the next stop. Uh, so once they're off the train, uh, they're just kind of like walking along the side of the road, and they see these three kids on a raft uh, going down a river, and the, ra- uh, the raft tips over, so they like try and save the kids. Uh, but Adrian Brody, he's not able to save the kid that he was trying to save. Uh, and his, uh, at the same time, like, uh, his character, like, he's, his wife is about to give birth in six weeks. Uh, so he's dealing with the struggles of, you know, becoming a new father and, like, what is expected of him and how he's going to handle it and all that stuff. And then he just had this boy die in his arms. So it's a, it's a, you know, juxtaposition of the two things. And then, uh, they bring the boy back to the village that he's from and, uh, they're invited to stay for the funeral uh, of it and see there's a really cool uh, juxtaposition that they do here so they you, at the, you see the beginning of the funeral here and uh, I don't know if this is if it's a, you know if it's just this village thing or if it's a religious thing or if it's you know India the country kind of thing I, I don't know I don't really understand the culture 
as much as I wish. Uh, but, you know, instead of this funeral being this big, like, you know, doom and gloom, everybody's in black kind of thing, it's more of like a celebration of life. Like, there's flowers, everybody's in white, there's bright colors, and, uh, you know, all, all the stuff. So you see that, and then in the middle of the scene, it cuts back to uh, uh, the, uh, the scene, a scene just before their father's funeral, which was about a year before. They're riding uh, in a car, they're going to uh, their father's funeral, but unfortunately... Or, or Peter gets the idea that he wants to, you know, go drive to the thing, uh, drive to the funeral in his father's car, which is in the shop in the shop right now. Uh, so they go to the shop. The car's not ready yet. And they try and get the shop out of there, and it's just kind of like chaos. But like they're all black and like they're all very sad and angry. And then they cut back uh, to uh, this this Indian funeral, and uh, again, just beautiful like celebration of life, not you know, woe is me, so sad kind of thing. It's it's completely different. Very, very cool scene. Uh, absolutely love it. And I just, I, I love this whole movie, man. Like, I saw it on DVD when I was, all right, so it came out in 2007. Um, so I would have been 14, 14, 15 when it came out. Uh, and so, like, it, this was kind of, like, at the peak of me, like, really diving, like, into, like, my, like, fan, like my film, like, geekdom uh, at the time. Like, I had, that, like, I don't know. Like, I, I would just stay in on weekends and, like, watch movies all the time. Uh, and this was one of them. This was, uh, you know, one of the movies that I fell in love with. And just an amazing, beautiful film. I, maybe, like, the re- part of the reason why this is, like, my favorite Wes Anderson movie is the nostalgia I felt. Uh, just there was a lot of stuff in there about relationships and your family and friendship and uh, stuff like that. So it kind of like felt like it was like I saw it at the right time in my life. Maybe I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of movies that like they kind of do that to you, uh, where you just see it right time, right place, and it just resonates with you all the all that much more the years later. Uh, but giving it a view, I was I've been looking forward to this for a while. I hadn't seen it in call it two or three years. At uh, this point, and there's just some things you completely forget about. Uh, notably, uh, the soundtrack in this movie is one of the best out there. It's an absolutely phenomenal soundtrack. Uh, it mixes not only scores and songs from uh, Indian culture, uh, but it uses a lot of music from the Rolling Stones and the Kinks, and uh, just it, it it all fits perfectly. Uh, the music, the imagery, the performances, camera movements, all that stuff, its it all just fits together perfectly. Wes Anderson knew exactly what he was doing with this movie. It's a nice, feel-good movie, despite some dark subject matter uh, at times, which isn't easy, you know, thing to do. Uh, but, again, I just I, I just love this movie. Uh, I, can't, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, I would absolutely recommend it. And as far as, like, Wes Anderson movies go... I this like I said this one's my favorite second favorite probably Royal Tenenbaums put Grand Budapest Hotel under that then like Moonrise Kingdom Rushmore maybe I'm forgetting one or two or I, don't, I don't know I I oh, that's definitely not in all of his movies but uh, but no this one far and away takes the cake for me and I feel like it might get you know some hate a lot of people don't really uh, enjoy this movie as much as uh, other people but it, maybe it's just like. I don't want to say like this is like a smarter movie like it's it's you know high it's it's you know highbrow humor or something like that uh, 
But no, it's like I, I completely understand why it wouldn't be for everyone. Uh, if you're looking to be, you know, thoroughly entertained with action and, you know, blood and sex guts and all that stuff, like no, this isn't like the kind of movie. It's 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 a very sensitive uh, and you know empathetic movie, and I, I just I, it's, I don't know, it's really good. It's it, it's a really good watch, and you know, for those of you who it, it's a great movie if you like that kind of makes you think about like friends that you like haven't kept in touch with and like hey like why haven't we like kept in touch uh but then at the same time especially if it's family that you haven't kept in touch with uh but there's always still that bond that uh, remains the same so uh love this movie i absolutely would recommend it give it a watch uh so i'm gonna get into the did you knows here we're gonna try and keep this one a little short we've been running long on some of the episodes lately so uh we're gonna try and keep this one short and then I, I got a new segment after the did you knows uh, so the first did you know the train scenes were filmed inside a moving train traveling from Jodhpur to Jasalamir uh, and through the tar desert nothing could be fixed to the ceiling the filming equipment couldn't be more than a meter out of the windows writer director Wes Anderson and production designer Mark Friedberg went to the Northwestern Railways Company and told them they needed rail cars, a locomotive, which they would redecorate entirely and then move around their railway. Northwestern Railways had never gotten such a request, though it took a lot of time and effort. It was eventually granted. Uh, so, like I said before, the Darjeeling Limited, uh, the movie is named after the train that they're all riding on. And shooting in the confines of a train is not easy, especially the cabin spaces. It's very cramped and they kind of want you to like see that. Uh, but that being said, you still got to get cameras in certain places. So, uh, you know, the beds, the windows, the, you know, the, just the furniture and, set, and sets, they all got to be interchangeable so that you can fit the camera where you need it to. Uh, so very difficult request. And like, obviously looking out the window, you have India in the background. It's not, it's, and like what you see is something that you can't really recreate uh, with a green screen or, uh, you know, you know, a painting or something like that in the background. I don't know, but, uh, I love the scenes in the train. They, they absolutely make the most out of it. Uh, there's some really cool filmmaking stuff in there. Like, there's one scene where the trains stop, but they have to shoot. Uh, like, they had to shoot some stuff on a certain day. Uh, so, I think it was, like, one of the, like, one of the locals uh, that was working on their film crew, uh, like, one of, the, like, the Indian guys, he came up with the idea. There was, the, the train supposed to be moving in the scene that they were shooting, but the train itself was uh, stuck for some reason. Uh, so, they came up with the idea, like, well, let's just get a bunch of two-by-fours stick them under the train, set up a little, like, uh, seesaw thing, and then people were, like, pushing up and down on it. So, like, when you're shooting inside the train, the train looks like it's rocking back and forth. Very, very cool. Just some simple, brilliant filmmaking. Uh, so I, I always love stuff like that. That's some of my favorite stuff that we, uh, I get to read about. Uh, did you know number two? The house into which the dead boy was brought was supposed to be the same natural red color as the others, the villager painted the house blue between selection and the crew's return, and Wes Anderson chose to use it anyway. Uh, so, like I said before, this takes place like during that uh, that celebration of life, so to speak. And a lot of the movie, they they use a lot of yellows and reds and oranges uh, to kind of match the landscape. Uh, but then in the middle of it, they're at this funeral, and everything's like bright and you know happy colors and blue and orange and yellow and stuff like that. Uh, I just, it looks great. I'm glad they decided to keep it. It's a nice change, like change of pace, but it also kind of like brings out the vibrancy of, uh, you know, local Indian culture in this, which I thought was really, really cool. Uh, third, did you know, 
Instead of an original score, Wes Anderson chose to borrow original music from Indian films, including some by legendary Indian director Satyajit Ray. I, I probably butchered that, but I did my best. Uh, like I said before, I love the music in this movie. A very underrated uh, soundtrack um, of the last, you know, tw- in the 21st century. This movie's got one of the best soundtracks, in my opinion. Uh, and again, a lot of Rolling Stones, a lot of Kinks. Uh, but there's also just a lot of cool Indian music on there as well, which really kind of you know brings out uh, the vibrancy of the country that they're in. Uh, so on a scale of one to five hazmats, I give this. I'm I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna give it a four. Uh, I you know Wes Anderson movies they're obviously not for everybody. Sometimes they can get a little too quirky, a little too. You know, off the beaten path. It does it. it this does this at a couple certain points. There's a few scenes that uh, they drag out a little bit. Um, I don't particularly enjoy uh, some of the scenes with Angelica Houston, uh, who uh, plays the boy's mother, who they eventually uh, regroup with uh, later in the movie. Uh, and that's it. Was kind of like the movie's like building up to this, and then they get there, and it's kind of underwhelming, uh, in my opinion. But I, I love the look. I love. The script, I love the performances, just I love the music. It's very, very, very great movie. I would absolutely recommend this if you get a chance to watch it. Uh, so four out of five hazmats for me. Uh, and okay, so before we wrap things up, I have a new segment. Uh, it's called Rapid Fire Reviews. Basically, I'm just gonna list some of the movies that I've watched recently, and I'm just gonna kind of review them as quick as I can. Got a couple for you here. Uh, so recently I watched uh, first one Hostels on Netflix got Christian Bale Rosman Pike um, very very good movie slow definitely not for everyone it's like two and a half hours or so it definitely feels like it it's like a Civil War or Western uh, but pretty good movie some strong performances uh, probably not for everybody not very not a lot of action uh, for a Western and you know a Civil War movie but still still very good uh, next review, Uncut Gems. I so I, uh, I saw Uncut Gems in theaters when it came out uh, a couple months ago, which seems way longer than that. Uh, but this is one of those movies where it's like when you know the ending, what you know everything else like is like leading up to. It kind of just like takes that like rewatchability phase out of it. Still very good. I enjoyed it. Uh, definitely something I could see just like being able to throw in the background one day and you know pop in and out of. Uh, but for the time being. Uh, it just didn't, I don't know, the second viewing of this movie didn't really hold, have the same weight as the first. Uh, third, uh, we got Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. Been a long time since I've seen this movie, but it's very, very funny. Uh, I always forget how funny it is, and because it's in that like spoof genre uh, of comedies, it kind of gets a bad rip. Uh, but not many movies do it better than this one. Uh, it kind of plays on, uh, you know, biopics and, all you know, Walk the Line, uh, Ray, a lot of things like that. Uh, it doesn't masterfully. John C. Riley is very, very funny in this movie, and it's got pretty much every comedian, you know, every major comedian from, I don't know, the mid-2000s in there. So super funny movie. We'll would definitely give it a watch. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, Get Him to the Greek, number four. I watched that the other night. Jonah Hill, Russell Brand. Uh, not as funny as I was hoping it would be. Like, I, it was funny when I saw it the first time in theaters. Uh, and it's like it like it's a funny movie. There are funny scenes, but like as a whole, the movie is kind of like disappointing. I'd give it like I don't know two and a half, three stars. Uh, but there's some definitely some funny and noteworthy scenes in there. Uh, number five, uh, we're going to talk about Observe and Report with Seth Rogen. Uh, it's a Jody Hill movie, uh, and Jody Hill, if you don't know him, 
Uh, he and Danny McBride, they're kind of the masterminds behind Eastbound and Down and the Righteous Gemstones, um, Foot Fist Way. So, like, they have that very distinctive look of comedy. Uh, I kind of mentioned, like, Wes Anderson, like, he has this, you know, you know it's a, when he, you know when he's directing and he's writing it, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and Jody Hill, uh, very subtly does that better than a lot of people in comedy. Um, it's very obvious when it's his stuff. Uh, like I said, Eastbound and Down, Vice Principals, uh, Righteous Gemstones, his TV work is great. His movies haven't really picked up as well, but Observing Report for what it is, it's very funny just because I'm a fan of his. Maybe I enjoyed it a little more, but it's got Seth Rogen uh, and some performances uh, from Ray Liotta, Michael Pena, Anna Faris. Uh, it, it's funny. It's not, it's not amazing. Uh, but it's very funny, but I, I think that the sense of humor might not be... It, it hasn't translated well. Uh, it came out in 2009. Over the last 10 years, the sense of humor in it probably wouldn't do well today. Um, that's my opinion, but I remember seeing it in high school, and I enjoyed it then, and I enjoyed it now. Uh, but good, not great movie. Uh, and the last one I, I want to talk about, uh, I saw it on Netflix about a week ago. Uh, it's called Defive Bloods, Spike Lee's new movie. Holy shit, I was not expecting this movie to be a, half as good as what it was. Uh, very interesting uh, Vietnam uh, movie. Basically, it follows uh, these four guys, uh, these four African-American soldiers, uh, who, like, 50 years later or whatever, they go back to Vietnam. Uh, as old men, they reunite, uh, and they go back and they look for a buried treasure, uh, as well as the remains of their squad leader, uh, and just, oh my god, the, like, I did not see this movie being nearly as good as it was. Spike Lee, had, you could tell, just had 100%. This was his movie, like, very, almost no studio input. Uh, there's one performance in the movie that sticks out. It's from this guy named Delroy Lindo. And I feel bad saying, like, this guy, because honestly, I, I don't recognize him for anything. I just haven't seen him in anything before. But he's been around for, like, 30, 40 years. And... Now, like, I just, like, went through his filmography, and I was like, oh, shit, I gotta, I gotta start, like, looking at this guy. Uh, and it's not like, like, he doesn't have a lot of, like, roles where it's just, like, you pop him, and he's like, oh, he was this guy in that movie. He's like, no, like, he's, like, he, he's not in a whole bunch of, like, big hit movies, so you, you're gonna have to dive into his filmography a little bit. But if he's not nominated for an Oscar this year, I, I don't know, I don't know if I'd put him in acting or, uh, lead actor or supporting actor, just because, like, it's called The Five Bloods, and there's, like, four main leads uh, to it, and, or, like, the, the Five Bloods is, like, the group of soldiers that they named themselves, so there's kind of, like, four, like, guys, I think he might get the most screen time, but I wouldn't call him, like, the lead actor in the movie, if that makes sense, uh, but absolutely amazing movie, uh, go check that out, it's on Netflix, it just came out, like, two weeks ago, or something like that, so give it a watch, you'll love it, uh, that wraps it up for Rapid Fire Reviews, Guys, thank you all for listening. Uh, we got the next couple episodes already planned for you. Uh, really looking forward to the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises episodes coming out Friday and Monday. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media at Quarantinema Pod. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, subscribe to the channel. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Uh, so give us a subscribe, tell your friends. Only tell three friends, no, not four. Uh, and in the meantime, guys, don't be a hero. Just stay inside and watch a movie.